So we turn now to our Bibles, our scripture reading this morning for our series is Joshua chapter 3. It's the verses 1 through 17. I don't think we need a Punjabi reading this morning. But Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing on our word. Lord God, we come before you this morning. We acknowledge our need for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would humble us by your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, so that we may receive by faith the word that is spoken to us. Lord, we pray that we may also leave your house this day, also giving you praise and and thanks for the wonders that you have performed in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So as we're going through the book of Joshua, we hope to go through the first 12 chapters and then take a break. Maybe go back to Mark again. But as we're going through the book of Joshua, always remember that Joshua points to the greater Joshua, the greater Yeshua, Jesus. And everything you read in Joshua, everything, every detail, is fulfilled in Christ himself. We can never understand Joshua apart from Christ because Christ is very much active in his pre-incarnate state, very much active uh, in these stories, these true stories. These are real historical events that occurred. And he's there at work. In in uh, in the heart of Joshua and in his people, so we hear God's word this morning from Joshua three, and our theme is is brought safely through, okay, or brought safely across. That's probably a better word across because that word across I think is mentioned at least six times in there. So brought safely across. You see that especially in uh, the last verse. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Acacia Grove, came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp. They commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about a kilometer, if you have it all figured out. Do not come near it, that you may know that the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua and the children said to the children of Israel, Come here, hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
of all the earth is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of the Lord, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. And that's our text this morning, part of verse 17. Until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. There's so much gospel in there because the Lord doesn't do partial work with us. He does work in us all the way. The work that he begins, he will complete it till the very day that he calls us home and beyond. Philippians 1 verse 6. Really, you see Philippians 1 verse 6 here. Beautiful. You know, congregation... Sometimes we talk about going through rivers. That's, a, that's a, a phrase for difficult, difficult times. Crossing through deep rivers or deep troubles. That can be of varied kinds and, and, and ways. Right? It could be deep troubles. It could be a, a huge temptation that's been ongoing for a long time. It may be a sickness. It may be stresses, whatever that may be. And sometimes, at times... God's people just don't know how they're going to get through it. All they see is a big wall before them. How are we going to get through it? You know, the Lord reminds us that he is bigger than all those obstacles. By placing our trust in the Lord, we may be confident of the end result. Think of those words of that hymn. Maybe some of us know it. Maybe all of us know it. I'm not sure. But there's these words. We hope to sing that afterwards. When through the deep waters, I call you to go. This is the Lord that calls us to go. The rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with you. Your troubles to bless. See that? He blesses troubles. <laughs> um, Again, this is a hymn that expresses so much of the teaching of Scripture here. But in Joshua 3, what do we see here? We see the end result of what it is to trust in the Lord, no matter what, no matter what faces us. You see that here in God's Word today, the Lord himself safely brings his people through the dangerous river into the promised land. The Lord safely brings his people across, in short form. 
And we're going to see two things this morning. The river. The river. Whatever that river is. Here is the, the actual river. But the river. Is it an obstacle? Question mark. And then you begin to see in verse 2, or number 2, point 2. The river is God's pathway for all who trust on him. Those two points we see this morning, and we'll, and then we hope to see how it's fulfilled in Christ today. The river isn't an obstacle. You notice from the last chapter, who returns from Jericho? Okay, those two spies that Joshua had sent out to kind of inspect and survey the land, the land that they're ready to conquer. Remember, God had promised Abraham already, way back. He said, to you, he says, I will give this land. And now they're about to embark into the land. And two, the two spies come back, no doubt, probably with amazing reports. The report about Rahab and the, the strength and the confidence to go forward in God's grace. And now it's the day after. Joshua gets up really early in the morning. And what do you see God's people doing? They're living in tents. And they're busy. What do you do after you go camping? Roll up your tents. They're busy rolling up their tents and preparing their children to go into the carriages or whatever. And they're ready to keep on going towards the river. They set out. Finally, they're ready to enter into the promised land. But the river, the river Jordan between them and the promised land that seems to be like a huge obstacle. It must be crossed. There's no choice around it. It must be crossed. But how? There's no bridge that goes over it. There's no boats. They have no boats with them. And to walk through it, that would simply be dangerous, but also impossible. How do you, how do you take all your animals and your children and your tents and all your possessions how do you walk across a river like that? And besides, the water was so high and it was flooding as blank banks, as we read in verse 15, and so broad. We read here that it was during the harvest time. And during the harvest time is also the rainy season. The rainy season came around that time, but also the snow that had melted on the mountains to the north. The waters had melted and were flowing down. So that explains the, 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 the flooding of the Jordan at this time. So yeah, can't walk. There's no bridge. There's no boats. Hey, how about swimming? Well, you have the strong people that could do that. But what about the aged? What about the children? What about the cattle? What about all their things? Think about it. How large was the nation at this time? How many people? 600,000 men and boys over 20. And then you have women and children besides. So you probably have about a million people. And then all the cattle. So they're called to go through the into the promised land. But the Jordan is the obstacle, isn't it? Wide, deep. And no doubt, it would have flowed fast and furiously. The dangerous current would also be great, serious trouble for swimmers who would try to get across. So swimming is definitely not an option. It could easily be swept away. Ever 
hear those stories, so sad. Swimmers that are swept away in the current of a river and there's no way they can get out. I mean, that's how dangerous the Jordan River was at this time of the year. The river was much wider than the normal 90 to 100 feet wide at this time. And the average depth was 5 to 10 feet. So it would have been much deeper at that point in time. And then you add to that the rushing current. Now you notice in our text here, verse 2, three days. <laughs> three days. They got there the first day. The second day they're still there. The third day they're still there. And all they're seeing is this wall before them. This obstacle before them in the promise, before they enter the promised land. So why the delay? Why the delay for three days? Is it possible that the Lord, like he does with us many times, wants us to see our own helplessness? And that we take our eyes off ourselves, take our eyes off the circumstances, and look to him to trust him, to pray to him. Will his people believe his promises that he will certainly bring them into the promised land just as he had promised all along already to Abraham? Will they believe his word? That's the key here. Will we believe his word? The Lord then speaks to Joshua and tells him, that he would bring the people into the land by a way not known to them. See that in verse 4? It's a way that they would not know or a way that they would ever expect. And by leading Israel in this amazing way, the Lord's intent is to lift up Joshua, to exalt Joshua, the successor of Moses, so that the people could realize that God raised up this leader, who is a type of Christ, that God would raise up this leader to lead them in his ways. God is going to clothe Joshua with such great glory so that people would respect them and so that they would give themselves over to him in his leadership. But you know what? God is doing more here. He's pointing his people to a greater one to come, to a greater Joshua to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice verse 5. Joshua tells the people to sanctify themselves. What's that mean to sanctify? It means to cleanse. It means to set themselves apart. What were they to do? If you go back to Exodus 19, before the Lord appeared on Mount Sinai, before he was going to meet his people, what did God require his people to do? To wash themselves, to wash their clothes and put on clean clothes. Now, of course, this is an external cleansing but it points to the need for the cleansing of the heart. They had to come in a right frame of mind, in a right frame of heart before the Lord. Because what was the Lord going to do? The Lord says, I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be prepared to meet me because you're going to see something you've never seen for a long time. You're going to see such a wonder that you will never forget it. It's something really special. And so... They're to confess their sins. They're to confess their sins and, and see that the Lord cleanses them of their sins so that they may be prepared to meet him, the king of glory, God himself. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you, he says. Just a quick application here to thinking about that. 
You know, could it be possible that sometimes we don't see the greatness of the Lord in worship? We don't see the wonders of the cross and what God has done for us in Christ because we don't prepare ourselves to meet him. Yeah, sometimes those things stand in the way, don't they? And we miss out on the blessing. We miss out hearing about the wonders and how it can truly affect us, how the Holy Spirit uses that to affect us and change us in incredible ways. When we don't come to worship the Lord in the right frame of mind or in the right frame of heart, we miss it. We don't see it. You know, the Lord knows we need that. We need to be encouraged again and again by the wonders he has done in Christ. Because after we leave from here, there's going to be more difficulties and more difficulties. Israel knew, God knew as Israel went through the Jordan, that they would have to go through the Jordan. They would have a lot more fights in hand. All those Canaanites, boy, we need that encouragement. We need that strength. And part of that is just preparing ourselves so that we can be refurbished and re-strengthened so that we may continue on our way. Yeah, the following day, Joshua, at the Lord's command, he tells the priest to take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and carry it in front of the people. Now, this is the first time we hear a reference to the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. What is that Ark? Let's not confuse that with the Ark that Noah built. This Ark was a small wood structure that was inside the tabernacle okay it was a symbol of the throne of god it was a symbol of his presence okay it was a symbol of one who is yet greater to come the presence of christ so this this little ark was really a symbol of god's presence among his people that was the the point there and in that the ark points to the one greater to come, that's Christ. Here you could say, in the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ was actually going before God's people. He's going to go first. <laughs> okay, The ark points to the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus is going to go before them in the ark. And between the ark and God's people, okay, imagine 600,000, a million people, between the ark and then the people in the front there was supposed to be a, a distance of one kilometer why is that why a distance of one kilometer why might that be someone suggested well because of the holiness of god perhaps but i would say something else here i think which is consistent with the text and that is god wants everybody to see if the first people are right behind the ark, it's very unlikely that the people in the back, in the back of the column, would actually see the ark. God wants everyone, fathers, mothers, children, boys and girls, to see the wonder that he's ready to perform. And for everyone to see, there had to be a distance between the ark and the people. They, had, they have to see the wonder of the Lord. In spite of the obstacle, God's people must move forward in faith. Not to be passive, not to sit down, not to wait, not only to pray. No, pray and walk. 
pray and uh, move move forward in obedience to obey the Lord. That's that's what it means to trust Him, and that's what they're called to do. They must trust Him. They must obey, not focusing on the river, but focusing on the Lord who will bring them safely across. If they don't focus on the Lord, they will never enter into the promised land. That's the key, trusting in the Lord. There's no other way. Think of that song, right? Trust and obey, for there is no other way. That's the call here of Joshua to the people. You move forward. There's no other way. You just go forward anyway. And you walk in obedience to me. You know, the obstacle, when you when we do that, when we walk in faith, we see here the obstacle, obstacle becomes a pathway. You could say the barrier becomes a bridge. Because with God, anything is possible. For God, all things are possible. For all who trust him. And you see Joshua, he's no doubt, he's thinking about what are the people thinking? What They may be worried, they may be stressed. But he comes with a strong sermon, a strong sermon, verses 9 through 13. And he calls them to take hold of those promises. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. You take hold of those promises and you march forward. You step into that river. Don't look back. Notice how Joshua begins in sermon. He says, you come here and you hear the words of the Lord your God. And his opening sentence, he doesn't have much of an introduction He just gets right into it. He says, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. No, you're going into the nations. They have dead gods. They don't speak. They don't act because they're dead. But you have the living God among you. That's number one. Know that. And number two, know that he will drive out the nations. He will drive out the enemies from before you. Okay, how are they to know that? Well, Joshua goes on to his second point. This is how you're going to know that the living God is among you and that you're going to have strength all the days of your life in facing your enemies. What is that? Verse 11, the wonder of God himself. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth, most that of all the earth, is crossing over before you into the Jordan. You don't have to go in first. The one who is your God is going to go before you. He's going to go ahead of you. And he's going to descend into the river and he will bring you safely across. Today we would say it's the wonder of the cross, the Christ on the cross. But before he went to the cross, where did he step in on our behalf? The Jordan, (laughs) Matthew chapter 3. He stepped into the Jordan on our behalf so that we could also see the wonder and experience that wonder. Anyway, moving on. God's people must believe. There is no other way. They must believe. They must act upon their faith or drown. Joshua says, and he continues the sermon, now as for you, he says, Your souls have to go into the water, the soles of your feet. As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark, they're in the front of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. 
that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand up as a heap. Yeah, they move forward. They have to move forward. They move forward in faith. That's their responsibility. God has given that responsibility. You move forward in faith. That means moving ahead in obedience upon God's word. As we see in verses 14 to 17, the priests walk forward. They carry the ark. The rest of the congregation follows, walking in the direction of this horrible, terrible, raging river. The priests approach the water. What are they going to do? Boys and girls, if you stand by the river, I'm not suggesting you do this, but here the Lord spoke something different. But what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They can't go ahead. They're going to drown. Stop. Don't go any further. Is that what they say? No. The priests, in obedience to the Lord, just keep on walking. They remain steadfast, trusting in the Lord, walking steadfastly by faith. They act as if there is no water there, no rushing current that would carry them away. And now they're really near the river. Ten more steps. Five more steps. One more step. And they step into the water. God acts. He acts through our faith. They step into the water and immediately a path forms. A dry path across the entire river. The water stands still. That would have been on the right side. It stands there as a heap mounting to the heavens. As far back as the city of Adam, it says there. We don't know how many kilometers. It was a long ways. As one heap. And what happens to the other side? The water just flow away, empty the Dead Sea, until the waters failed to flow in. There was not a trickle. The Lord was keeping his word. Does this not remind you of what? One other event that the generation before had experienced. Remember when Israel came out of Egypt, they crossed to the Red Sea, and the Lord used Moses, the one before Joshua, to use his rod. He lifted it up. The seas parted. The Lord is able to do that. He's creator. He's the living God. The seas parted. They walked through. What happened to the Egyptians? They drowned. Oh, trust in the Lord. That's what Moses called, that's what Joshua calls the people to do here. Certainly they would have remembered that. Passing from death into life. Right? You could say the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan are really two parts of one crossing out of Egypt, out of sin, into life, the promised land. From death to life. Okay, from, from death to the resurrection. The priests, steadfast in faith, they stand firmly. It says they're in the center of the riverbed on dry ground. In other words, to say, you see the salvation of the Lord? Never doubt it. Those days, you're going to have hard days coming ahead of you, but never doubt this. May you see this wonder and you pass it on to your children, pass on the wonders to their children again. Never forget it. The people march by. They're all filing by. And it took a long time, a million people, just crossing through the Jordan. 
all the people, verse 17, had crossed completely over the Jordan. God did not fail. He never fails. He never fails. We fail. He doesn't. He brings the people safely across. In the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord Jesus was the one moving ahead of them, making way for Israel to walk through. This is only possible because they obediently went forward in faith. They took hold of the promises in Christ. You know, crossing the Jordan has significance for God's people today. We don't see it the same way as back then because we live in a different time. We live in a time where Christ has come. And so we live in an age where, in the church today, where Christ has fulfilled all that we see before us also in Joshua chapter 3. In what way is the question? What way? Well, let's remember, here we see a clear picture of the work of Christ for his people. Who goes before the people? Christ does, as seen in the ark. He went before us. He went into the Jordan for us with the view of humbling himself to death on the cross and with a view to conquering that enemy, especially death, by rising from the dead, thereby clearing a pathway into the heavenly Canaan, a new creation for all who believe in Christ. You think about it, that, that huge barrier, that huge obstacle, our sins and guilt on the one side, man's side, and then God's wrath on the other side that must be appeased. Sin and guilt must be removed. The wrath of God must be appeased. There is none other than one who can remove that obstacle and make it into a bridge. We saw that in the last couple of weeks, in the afternoons, and that's Christ himself. Christ went before us. He laid down his life only to take up his life again to bring his people safely into the promised land. What's the great wonder today? It all goes back to the death and resurrection of Christ. Poor people, Whoever denies the death and resurrection of Christ have no gospel left and they will perish. This is the, the wonder that God holds out for us Sunday by Sunday to Sunday. That's why he wants us coming together. That we may, again, consecrate ourselves and see the wonders of God because there's more difficult days coming. There always has been. Are we any different? No, we will face those difficult days too. Jesus says in John 5, 24. He says, Assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but then it says, but has passed, or has crossed, from death into life. Beautiful. The glory of Joshua. Remember how Joshua is to be exalted? It points to one greater, the glory, the ultimate glory of Christ. Peter talks about that. In Acts chapter 2, after Pentecost, he says to the people of Israel, in Acts chapter 2, 22, fellow Israelites, they would have known about the Jordan, the crossing, the crossing of the Jordan. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God by 
to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's the living God among us. He has, without fail, driven out from before us all our enemies. What are those enemies? The power of sin and death and Satan. Maybe a better word is conquered. Conquered. And now today, the call is to trust him. Because Christ is the only pathway, the only pathway that we will ever be able to fight these enemies in ourselves. The lust of the world and Satan himself. Otherwise, there's no hope. Christ went before us. He conquered. He's the pathway. A faith which holds on to those God's promises will always triumph. That's not to say it will be easy. It's not to say that there won't be doubts. It's not to say that sometimes God's people feel like giving up. He's the living God. To put it in today's words, if what Joshua said to his people today, we say, if you want this eternal life, this land of promise, like the people of Israel, you must believe. So many people become afraid. How can I do it? Sometimes you hear, you know, people who are coming to faith in Christ, for example, but baptism is such a huge river to cross that they can't do it. They can't get themselves to get to that point. The old life must die in me, they say, and, and that means I have to let everything else go. My culture, my old culture. My old religion, my gods. It's a river many people are so scared to cross because they don't want to give it up. They don't want to give up the old life. But that's, what is that? That is living under the power of sin. That's living under the power of death and Satan that leads to, not to the promised land, but to hell, hell itself. Yeah, a person who fears needs to let go. You know, at least to let it all go, everything, and entrust himself wholly to Christ in faith because he's the one who's the bridge to eternal life. You know, don't look at the river those rivers may be various in our lives. Don't look at the river. It's scary sometimes. Like the Israelites, keep your eyes fixed on the ark, although we would say not the ark, but on Christ, who died and rose again from the dead. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He will carry you safely across to the other side. We can make it really practical People, at least some people, are deathly afraid of COVID-19. We look at it, and some people are terribly frightened by it. As God's people, you can't let that cripple us. You can't let that cripple you. In your obedience to Christ, no, no, no. 
Don't look at COVID. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Worship him. Come together with his people. He will bring you safely through. That's his promise. That's not to say that people don't die of COVID, that Christians don't die of COVID. Sure they do. But he still brings you safely through. Be sure of this. He gave his life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And all the rivers we face, our deep waters, our troubled waters, there's no doubt. These no doubt are troubling for believers. But we're not alone. Think of David, King David, a friend of God. He speaks of the waves of death that surrounded him, the floods of ungodliness that made him afraid. But these are no obstacles to Christ. In him, we make it safely to the other side. Elsewhere, David says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it wasn't for him, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. Psalm 124. The stream would have gone over our soul. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. One more thing. All of us here and all of us listening today face one final river. It's a big one. That's death. Death itself is a river that every person must cross. It's a big one. And for the person who does not believe in Christ, it's only frightening. Because for the person who does not believe in Christ, will drown, God will drown that person like he drowned the Egyptians. But you know, for believers, God wants it to be a comfort, ultimately. You know, sometimes, and I hear it from people who are near death sometimes, the devil will use that river to make even believers sometimes so scared. And the devil will remind them of all kinds of sins they have done throughout their lives. And really, are you worthy enough for God to save you? Look how bad you are. I hear this countless of times in believers, in the lives of believers. And then the word comes to them. Jesus comes to them and says, I'm worthy. You trust me. <laughs> I'm worthy. And God will carry you. And he will bring you safely into the promised land, heaven itself, where you will reign and live with Christ forever and ever. Revelation 22 verse 1 speaks of a river, the pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What glory. As I was reading this, some uh, this um, pilgrim, little pilgrim's progress to the Children of Hope Academy. Just want to read one short paragraph. Little pilgrim, he's ending his pilgrimage, and he meets that river, that river of death. Little Christian's courage came back to him. He no longer fainted or trembled anymore. Hand in hand, the little pilgrims made their way across the dark river. And after a time, its bed seemed to grow firmer and its waters were less rough. Then they saw that the two shining ones, that's the angels, who had brought them down to the river were one waiting to receive them. In a few moments, the dreadful passage was over. Gentle hands drew them out of the water and they stood safely upon the shore. What glory. 
passing through death and the grave to eternal life is like passing through the Jordan. You'll be brought safely, completely through the dark river into the presence of the king <clears throat> to live forever and ever. To God be the glory. Amen. We sing of that song that we mentioned earlier, <clears throat> 243, hymn number 243, 234, and 6. This is from How Firm a Foundation, but this is verse 2, 3, 